You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Let's get to our guest now. Catherine Young is Investment Director at Fidelity International, joining us in our Hong Kong studio. Always great to have you on, Catherine. So China really seeking to stabilise the property market with loans, lower rates. Brian was telling us we could have a further triple R cut too. Is this enough or do we need further government stimulus too? So the issue really with the property sector at the moment is that not only do the policymakers have to protect prices, so there's systemic risk, but they also have to make up the funding shortfalls to complete these projects owed to the home buyer. So that you have this sort of social stability angle. So what is likely to happen? I mean, we have seen a, a you know a property bubble emerge over the years. So it's about 20% of GDP last year versus let's say the US bubble in 06, which was six six and a half percent of GDP. So we do need to see some short-term pain now. This pain isn't going to put in danger China's long-term growth trajectory or its financial viability, but we are going to see some defaults. And as a result of the defaults, consolidated markets, so some of the bigger players who are better managed, have better balance sheets, are indeed going to get bigger over the next three, five years. When it comes to the overall economic slowdown, I mean, we heard earlier that Leyland Miller says unlikely to get five and a half percent. I think we all agree on that point. What's kind of your target and what is going to help get us to even around 3.9 to 4 percent by the end of the year? Yeah, the current uh, 5.5% is, is somewhat of a challenge. I guess when you look at China, it feels like we're sort of treading water at this point. So it doesn't feel like we're going to see another big inflection point. So no big step down from this point. But at the same time, the earnings and the policy cycle just don't feel strong enough to get things turning around. So it's very much a case of sentiment on the ground. And with the lockdowns and the impact of the lockdowns, uh, some of the toll that's had on consumption as well as industrial activities, take that, plus also the heat wave, the concerns about property. So it's all these issues combined, which I think is sort of concerning the people, you know, both socially as well as investors. So it's going to take further stimulus uh, going forward. Mm. And does that mean China's uninvestable right now? I mean, we're starting to get a lot of those uh, bullish calls fade somewhat. 
Absolutely not. I think we still have to think about the long-term picture of China. And, you know, China is in a very different place versus a lot of other economies around the world when it's uh, when we look at policy, both from a, a COVID policy point of view as well as a, a fiscal and monetary point of view. But the PBOC is stuck in a bit of a conundrum, though, because they can't aggressively ease as the rest of the world aggressively tightens due to trade issues, due to currency issues. So there isn't that much room to ease on the downside, but they still have the tool set to add supportive measures. And I think, relatively speaking, we saw China outperform in April, May, had a lull in July. We're probably going to see it resume its outperformance in October, November, especially after this earnings season. And we see earnings being cut again and then a reassessment of valuations. So you are saying Chinese equities do remain very attractive over the longer term. Uh, Just tell us about where you're looking particularly, and and is that in the tech space when we've got the Hang Seng Tech Index down some 62% from the February 21 peak? It's probably not going to be a beta rally anymore. So, you know, over the past few months or year, you've seen, for example, value names outperform by around 10% versus growth names. We're over that period and not every value name is doing well, not every growth name is, is underperforming. Given the interest rate cycle, though, and the macro uncertainty, what's really key is looking for those companies which still have this somewhat earnings visibility coming through. So at this juncture, value or defensive businesses tend to look more attractive. Having said that, when we look at technology, I mean, just take memory, for example, global memory. China consumes about 40% of global memory around 50 to 60% of memory production occurs in China. So even if you can't find a Chinese name that fits your investment criteria, you can still access that kind of demand. And I think that's why the consumption story, I think the rise of the domestic investor, they're very, very powerful long-term themes. You're also saying focus on the dividend policy. So when we're in earnings season, what do you mean by that? Just checking whether or not there is a good return and, and how are you sort of playing that in the market? Even though we're seeing some earnings cuts, what's been fascinating is this continued focus on dividend payouts and and upward dividend payouts. And it acts as somewhat of a cushion during this period of volatility. So from even an ESG perspective, you're seeing improving governance. As many companies, a lot of them, by the way, are state-owned enterprises. You're seeing these companies really rewarding minority shareholders through this income stream. And again, it feeds into the rise of the domestic investor because domestic investors are looking more at Chinese equities over the long term in terms of that broader investment horizon versus just punting the market. When we look at the slowdown, though, in China, I mean, that's starting to be reflected more broadly, too, across the region. You look at Taiwan export orders contracting in July, South Korea early export numbers virtually unchanged. How much of a worry is this slowdown for the broader region if we're not sort of at the point where we thought China would be recovering uh, at this point in the cycle? I think when you look globally, ex-China, it's still that focus on on global inflation and demand and even visibility for exports out of Asia going into Christmas, that visibility is really not there. So even if you could argue that global inflation is peaking, the whole cycle in terms of tightening monetary policy is definitely not peaking. So that's still the worry that remains. And, And when you look at that angle versus China, that's why China in terms of benign inflation, having the policy tool set should they need to further support the market. It's again that long-term angle that we're looking at. But yeah, definitely across the region, it's it's this sort of treading water idea and, and almost waiting for the October-November Congress to occur and news flow out of that. And when it comes to whether or not we've seen peak inflation and these recessionary fears, how hawkish do you think we're going to see the Fed at Jackson Hole this week? likely to continue to be hawkish. And then you also now have the ECB. So again, ex-China, you're still seeing this policy or the cycle 
the bias is definitely towards further tightening. Is there anywhere, Catherine, that you are looking for some potential, I know you say you like Chinese equities, very attractive over the longer term, but in the short term, some potential upside just very quickly? Uh, you know, again, Asia still has that domestic demand story coming through. Uh, you still have the rise of the middle class, urbanization. So from a, a DMEM perspective, Asia as a carve-out still makes a lot of sense for us. All right, Catherine, always great to have you with us. Catherine Yong is Investment Director at Fidelity International with us in our Hong Kong studio. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all. All of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.